Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruton. I'm excited for my next guest. If you hear the brand that he works for and it doesn't bring a smile to your face or you don't have a good memory of the brand, then uh, something's wrong with you. <laughs> so I'm in, there's an organ connection here that, you know, personally for, for me and for the guest, we'll, we'll go through. So Pat Egan, who's the president and CEO of Seize Candy. Pat, welcome. Hi, Dan. How are you today? I'm doing great. You know, I'm up here in Portland. You're in the Bay Area. So... You know, we try to time it when you were going to be up here, but I think this works well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, first, I always love to start. You know, as much as you want to, you know, uh, <laughs> give us an overview of a little bit of your career journey, and then you know about stepping into the role uh, as CEO at Seeds. We'd love to learn a little bit about that. Well, uh, first of all, I appreciate the the plug of the brand at the at the outset, and uh, it's it's I just pinch myself every day that I've ended up here. Um, you know, I consider myself an Oregonian. I spent most of my life there, 35 years, but I was actually born in San Francisco and went to elementary school uh, in San Mateo. So my office is almost equally distant from where I was born in cool. uh, San Francisco on Geary Street and where I went to elementary school just south of here. So I'm kind of right in the middle of that. And it's, it, it again, it's just one of those things where I just have to pinch myself. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and so it is, it, it's an iconic brand and, and I knew it here in California. I uh, certainly was aware of it in, in, in Oregon with my, my home store was Washington square, which is still oh, yeah. going and still yeah. a fantastic store. And uh, so <laughs> between here and there, it's like, how much time do you have? But I'll, I'll try to keep it to uh, a, at least a, a minute or two. Um, you know, I, I, I went to finished at Oregon state university, go beefs uh, mm. and <laughs> And I'm still, a doc, but that's okay. You know, got the respect. <laughs> okay. I respect that. <laughs> We're all in the medical. Um, and, uh, and, and on my way out of, uh, of Oregon State, I ended up uh, interning in the, in the state capitol and uh, had about a, I don't know, depending on how you count it, because I went to law school in the middle of it, you know, 15 to 20-ish year uh, career in, in politics first, um, both in the legislative side and, and, and doing campaigns. Mm-hmm. as well as um, ultimately ending up in uh, the governor's office, work for both Governor Kitzhaber and, and Governor Kulingoski. And, you know, along the way, I just feel like I look back and I feel a little bit Forrest Gumpy that uh, I just had one opportunity after another uh, be presented. The The early lesson out of politics for me was was both on the political side and running a campaign. You have only so many resources and you have a clear objective and you've got to assemble the resources to do it. So I mm-hmm. learned a lot in that environment. 
And then, you know, similar in, in the legislative environment, you know, the objective is to either pass something or stop it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I learned a lot of lessons there, both in terms of uh, I, one of my old bosses said, all of life is retail politics. It's just a matter of who knows it. Meaning that (laughs) relationships matter, credibility and integrity matter. And at the end of the day, you know, you are who you are and and that's your stock. Mm -hmm. Um, So beyond that, uh, I I was fortunate to, uh, uh, as I was leaving politics, uh, work for a guy named Pat Wrighton at Pacific Power. And Pat taught me a lot, uh, both about uh, the business world, um, growing as a person and being gracious, uh, saying thank you a lot, which I I do a lot better job of now than I did as a younger person. And uh, at the back end of that, that's a Berkshire uh, Hathaway company. Um, I was uh, (laughs) put in a situation where I had an opportunity to uh, consider uh, being here at Seas. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what a great opportunity and a great brand and and so many good things about it. And as it happens, this year is our centennial. So the timing just was fantastic. So you know, culmination of a lot of things in there, Dan, but, uh, but I just feel so fortunate that I've got a lot of opportunity in my life. I do feel like I've made the most of it, but yeah. how I got here, it's, it, I pinch myself. And I mean, there's so many roads we can go down being in politics, transition into to business, but you know, maybe we can focus on just kind of getting into Pacific power and a little bit about the Berk, Berkshire, um, kind of structure, because from what we understand, they're pretty independent. Everybody, th- everybody operates pretty independent. So that the stepping from kind of almost different industries for you personally, as a leader, you know, working in the, you know, the power industry, going to the, like the retail CPG industry, did you have some hesitation for that or how was it? I mean, it's a, like I said, an mm. iconic brand, uh, awesome opportunity, sure. but sure. Uh, you know, on one level, you're right that, uh, there is kind of a decentralized model model to Berkshire Hathaway, but what I know is, um, the expectation for integrity, the expectation for uh, for ultimately results, and the expectation for being you know strong professional are there, and if uh, if they're not met, then they're addressed. And you know, in, in, and in the energy business, um, that was um, that was a, a, an acquisition. Berkshire Hathaway Energy, and prior to that, uh, Mid American uh, Energy uh, was was an acquisition of, of Berkshire Hathaway and Greg Abel, who is now. Uh, in in succession for for the future for Berkshire Hathaway uh, has a very defined and 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 high set of expectations for the energy business and I will tell you that I learned an incredible amount of structure in the energy business uh, as I mentioned in politics I, I've, I I considered myself kind of a structured person in that environment I didn't know anything when I moved into the business world and particularly working for Berkshire Hathaway Energy Company like Pacific Power. There's a there's basically a right and a wrong way to do things, and um, you know the way that we look at it, and I still use it here: plan, execute, measure, correct. If you don't have a written plan, if you can't, uh, if you don't know how you're going to execute it, and you're not uh, accountable to measure yourself and then go back and and fix it, uh, it kind of doesn't exist. And so mm. I learned an incredible amount of discipline that I thought I had in the political world that I didn't really have <laughs> until I got into the business and and energy world. And uh, so I picked up a lot of that, Um, you know, coming into coming into seas, an entirely different business. I actually felt I wouldn't say comfortable because I I still have a lot to learn. I've been here over two years and and I I have an incredible amount to learn. But in terms of having the tools in the toolkit, I, I actually felt pretty, pretty comfortable coming into the new environment here. Yeah, that's interesting um, to talk about the the toolkit of a leader and that diverse experience you've had in different 
kind of industries with the politics and how it shaped you that, and you don't hear about that a lot, right? People that go into politics kind of stay in politics potentially, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's true. I, I, uh, I, I started in politics. As I mentioned, I actually, um, had my, uh, my, my oldest kid in 1995 and made the decision about a week later that I was going to finally go to law school. So mm-hmm. it took a little bit of time, but, uh, I ended up going to Willamette university, graduated in 2000. So I had already had a kid. I had one during law school and I had one right after law school. So, so I, I was, we, we had a busy family, but, yeah. um, but in the course of that, and I actually went back to politics right after law school. Um, I, I knew that uh, one, you know, politics had changed actually since I started and I don't want to sound like the grumpy old man, but you know, back in the late eighties and early nineties, when I started, um, it was just a different playing field. You had a right. lot more, I think, bipartisanship, um, collaboration and, uh, my view is everybody was there for the betterment of the ultimate uh, of, of the outcome. And it's a little bit maybe grass is greener, but mm. um, but I saw a shift and uh, in, in in my time in politics where a lot more money, a lot more divided interests, and at the end of the day, I can understand it and I can play it, but it yeah. wasn't my choice. I decided right. I, wanted to, I wanted to move into uh, into something else. Yeah, well, let's let's uh, talk about C's. You stepped into the role you said two years ago, and of course a year ago. You're a year in, and it's a, a pretty big uh, shift. Cool. So when that happened, let's talk about just kind of getting back to the. I, it's like we all have PTSD a little bit. But oh, we'll go back there. What were the some of the things you took as a business? Uh, you did as a business because you have retail shops. You know, I know of course you have a, yeah. a direct consumer business, but how was that? Boy, and uh, it's one of those where, yeah, PTSD, uh, you know, I I, I literally have just had these moments where I look back and go, I completely, I mean, and it's only been a year and a few months. I completely, I I forgot about the wildfires. We had to shut down because we had smoke all around in both Los Angeles and San Francisco. Um, we had other other matters even beyond the the, the COVID uh, event that uh, that complicated uh, our business. So, uh, you know, I'll start with as you just mentioned. There, C's is I like to say we're deceptively complex. So we are a food manufacturer. We're an iconic brand. We have commercial real estate. So we operate pretty much all of the stores that 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 sell our product, and we make okay. all of the product almost all of the product that goes into those stores. And then we also have direct to consumer. So we have a fulfillment center in Southern California that, I mean, we've been doing, uh, we've been doing direct to consumer since 1922 and uh, e-commerce <laughs> since 1998. So take that Amazon. Um, <laughs> and, that. Uh, you know, so, so we have a lot of parts and pieces to the business and every one of them basically had to be re- re- brought down to zero, stripped down to nothing and restarted. Mm. You know, um, so March 13th comes like everybody else. And that Monday, March 16th, we started, we closed 250 stores in five days. Jesus. We closed, we closed our plants for a month and a half. And we actually operated uh, our direct to consumer fulfillment center um, in, uh, uh, in, 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 in the month of uh, March up until I think March 26th. So we actually had a week and a half there where the only way you could get C's was through our through seas.com and then that stopped. We brought ourselves back down to zero. Mm. Um, and you know, part of that that I learned was to you know stay focused, like what's right in front of you. Because if you look too far down the road, one, you're absolutely gonna be wrong. It's gonna change. Yeah. And two, it's um, it's uh, you know, part of leadership is to make sure you're instilling optimism, hope, and especially in that environment, what the future is gonna be. And so the future, if the future is just tomorrow, you can handle it. If the future mm-hmm. in that environment is 
a month, two months, three months. I mean, you tell me. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, yeah. none of us were predicting what was, could have really accurately predicted what was what was happening. So a lot of it was just staying focused on what's right in front of us. And like I said, we had to go back and make sure we were focused on our employees. So safety mm-hmm. first, our customers, mm-hmm. making sure that we could uh, deliver and, and operate uh, safely to get them what they wanted. And then ultimately the brand. And at the end of the day, you know, um, we ended, we ended, it was a tough summer. Uh, quarters two and three were among the worst probably in, co- in, in company history mm-hmm. in, in some sense. And then we ended strong and this year has started, started very well. So I feel good at the end of it, but oh man, I feel like I aged about uh, 20 years. <laughs> yeah, we, we all did. And it's interesting how we look back and like you said, you kind of like, you kind of forget and how we've all shifted personally, professionally, starting yeah. new lines of business. So, you know, looking at your kind of leadership team and you know, the folks you surround yourself to run the business, what were some of the things also you you just kind of immediately inst- instilled in them or got feedback from them? Because I mean, that's super important, yeah. right? I mean, the uncertainty and, and kind of yep. being all- candid. Yeah, we had, uh, um, yeah, I mean, exactly. It was, uh, we actually starting in um, late February, because you could see some of this coming, we started meeting daily. And then uh, after that mid-March period, we were meeting literally seven days a week, Hmm. part of the day, uh, just orient yourself, what's right in front of you. And I mean, when I say what's right in front of you, I mean it. That's what we were basically looking 24 and 48 hours down, down the road. And staying focused on that, making sure that whatever whatever issues were coming up, we either you know dealt with it or we were going to defer it. But we were making conscious decisions about what was what was right in front of you. And then you know add to it, we actually had some shifts. So um, our, our CFO our CFO is new. We had just hired our vice president of marketing uh, late in 2019. Uh, we have a new chief operating officer. Uh, we have a new head of HR. So. All of that transition, I'm onboarding these people <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. uh, you know, and they're figuring out, can they move? Do they go into, you know, and and so it was, uh, there was a lot of disruption in the middle of that. And and again, I look back at it and go, how, not sure how we kept it all together, but it, but a lot of it was really just saying, okay, what's, what's, what's right in front of us? What goal can we, you know, set a week or a month out um, and right. see if we can go see if we can go get it? Do you think that's paid off like a year later, just the kind of strength of your leadership team? The t- timing might have, wor- might have worked out well that yeah. everybody was kind of new, right? <laughs> or maybe you know, not. I don't know. <laughs> I had a friend a couple of weeks ago, and he said that, you know, and it, I think it rings true to me, is that, you know, COVID basically just distilled 10 years into one. And mm-hmm. if, you were on a, if you were on a positive trajectory, you're better off on the back end of it. If you were on a negative trajectory, you know, you may not still be in business. And so mm. uh, I don't know for sure if that's true, but it feels like it is. And mm-hmm. especially because as I referenced before we started that, uh, you know, this, the start to 2021 has been our best start ever. We've had our best January ever, best Feb- February ever, best first quarter ever. Uh, and so people need their C's yeah. <laughs> they need joy. And, uh, and, and, and we've been doing well. So, so I, I believe that the adjustments that we made uh, were the right ones, you, you know, not all, not hundred percent, you know, <laughs> yeah, humble yeah. enough to know that not every move was exactly right. But, but in terms of where we kept our focus and getting that team to gel, uh, which I feel good that it has, uh, you know, I, I, I knock on wood, I feel like either by luck or, or, or by work or both, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's worked out. 
That's amazing to hear. The best start to the year ever, right? Yeah. You said. And yeah. can you can you get specific about some of the adjustments you made? I don't know if you can share as far as, um, you know, I don't know if it's some of your e-commerce strategy or yeah. your retail strategy or what are some of the things you think contribute to that? Well, there there are a couple of things at play here. You know, one again, it's it's it, you know long before I ever <laughs> came here. Seas is a great brand. It's so yeah. well known. People. I think truly need it at some level. And I like to say we sell joy. And in that environment, mm. let's be really optimistic. Let's make sure that whether we're doing it through seas.com sales or mm. people are coming into our stores, even with masks and even with all of those constraints, let's make it the best experience we, we can possibly make it. And, you know, we've con- and, and that's that's not easy to do. But I mm. but I will say we have so many great people in our in our stores that that was an easy relatively speaking, an easy task for them to do because that's what they're used to. They're hap- They're used to making people happy. Right. And so being able to focus on that simple thing was part of that, you know, how do you look on the horizon and orient yourself uh, ultimately to, to the, to the goal. So, you know, um, you know, part of, part of what I can share is this is also our centennial. So, so it's beloved brand mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of, you know, the, 2020, which was such a train wreck of a year for so many people, we were formulating our plan. We had, you know, back in 2019, we thought we're going to do community celebrations. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> we thought we would do a celebration in every store. Well, you know, we can't really convene people. So, so what did we do? We focused on um, one of the ideas that I had back in 2019 is we're going to introduce a new product, one new product every month for our entire centennial. Now, when I got here, we had only introduced one product for the previous four years. Wow. So, so in, in coming up with the recipes, cause we have very high standards, quality without compromise in coming up with the packaging and then any marketing to support it, every one of those products, as well as our new centennial products, all of that means work. And so we, I, I I'm so thankful for our, our marketing and our merchandising team because they've had a ton of work uh, in getting ready for this. So, um, you know, the other element I'd share, Dan, is, 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 as I mentioned, you know, we've been direct to con- consumer for almost our whole history. Yeah. Uh, in in the, the previous 10 years before 2020, our annual package growth was about 3% on average. Last year, 70%. Wow. And, wow. Uh, and, and we maintained that volume, um, you know, even, even after all the stores reopened. So we've, We've seen a shift in our business to e-commerce, uh, and and that's part of the, the the totals that we're we're able to achieve at this point in sales as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's getting back to the fundamentals. When we get back to college, you know, a brand is a promise delivered, right? And so that's just part of your DNA, and I think that relationship yeah. you've built over a hundred years. In times like last year, people were looking to the things that you know, have that promise that they've grown yep. up with, that they had that. So I think that's a testament to kind of the operating kind of discipline uh, maybe, you know, Seas has had, not just your tenure probably, but it's in the DNA, right? I can, you know, obviously share a personal story that I've we, we talked about before. My dad's part of a community organization that has sold Seas candy for 30 years to raise wow. money. And I remember <laughs> when I was five years old, sitting in like this little you shed, we would sell it at. Right. And that still happens today. And I think that, uh, there's just not a lot of that. And I think it's just super, super important. So thanks for, for sharing that. Um, yeah. so what's next for the brand? Let's talk about some of the flavors or some of the new products. Uh, you told me about one with kind of a coffee. Well, I forget, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, I actually got them here and uh, I need to s send you some. These are the, uh, this was April's product. So, okay. uh, and actually there's a little bit of a COVID story in that, but chocolate covered coffee beans. Um, we uh, actually through an Oregon State connection to uh, Joth Ricky, who's uh, president of Dutch Brothers. Mm -hmm. I reached out to Joth in late 2019, early 2020 and said, hey, I've got this idea. Um, Joth has a tremendous background in the uh, in the uh, in the beverage uh, world and obviously in, in Dutch Brothers, great company. And I said, hey, uh, you know, where, where, where would you, where, if you were in my shoes, where would you go in, in selecting the right bean to go with our chocolate? And he pointed me right to Pete's Coffees, which is a 50 plus year old company, Bay Area as well. And I reached mm -hmm. out to their CEO and we started this project actually in February wow. of last year. Wow. We hit the pause button because they're actually a lot like us. They have about 250 uh, shops that they operate. And so in, in the roasting side of the business. So we had to pause. And then when when we things started getting a little bit, not normalized, but we got our feet under us, reached back out in April, May timeframe. So about this timeframe. And uh, we, we started again. So it took us about three months to develop right the right match of bean with our chocolate. And so we have a particular source. Uh, and and, and I, I, I mentioned that story because that is very much in line with our brand. We are very precise. We have a, we have a particular kind of honey. We have a particular mm. kind of, uh, of strawberry, the Benton strawberry, which is now the transition to a different one. Um, and, and we're very specific about what goes into our product. So that was our April product. Um, and, uh, and like I said, we've, we've been introducing one a month. Um, and uh, it's, it's a challenge because we have to produce new product. The, the product this month is um, a brittle with a kick. So Ooh. it's almond brittle. We've been making brittle all of our history. That was one of the Mary C uh, original recipes, peanut brittle. So this is almond brittle and we added a little bit of spice to it and sales have gone tremendously. People have received it really well. And uh, so great. we have those planned out through the end of the year. I love it. I can't wait to try it. I had some C's candy. It wasn't last night. It was the night before. And it's, you know, like a lot of people, it's usually late at night <laughs> grabbing some chocolate in the thing. So, well, you know, a couple more things I want, want to get into, Pat. Um, yeah. You know, just for you through all this as a CEO, I think it's 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 hard. Maybe you, you're part of maybe a peer group and maybe during all this, you haven't been able to see as many people. What are some of the things you do as a leader that, I, I guess, I want to say keeps you on your toes, but helps you kind of uh, uh, talk to your peers. So, how have you kept that up? Whether it's other portfolio companies of Berkshire or you know outside the industry. Um, yeah, good good question. I I, I have definitely developed a, a kind of a network, um, primarily some of the other Berkshire businesses. But I have you know a, a good group of friends uh, where I spent most of my life back in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I try to, you know, send a note, uh, reach out, check in and uh, just kind of see how you're doing. And actually, you know, about this time last year was was uh, not so much commiserating, but just really, you know, checking in and, and, yeah. and appreciating being checked in on by some of the other um, uh, leaders, because uh, I actually uh, had a friend say, you know, it's it's you don't really realize that it's it's kind of a lonely position. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that in a whiny way. I'm saying that the reality is you have to both project the confidence and actually do the work with your team. And if something's not quite right, that's not really part of what you share. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. between Karen Egan, who's my best friend and, and my biggest support, who hears a lot of the goings on uh, and other friends that I've reached out to, you know, it was really important, I think, over the last year to kind of have 
have that check-in. So I developed you know, relationships. Brooks is in the family, uh, Oriental Trading Company, um, mm. Erie Queen, and some others that are in similar, either similar business lines or, or similar circumstances. And uh, it's just been a, a really tremendous support. And I, I feel very fortunate to be able to have have those resources as well yeah. as my friends back in Oregon. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's let's get into Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you still have very much a connection here. I think you have family still here. I do. Um, you still come up here, I think, quite a bit. So in regards to business, what's your, kind of your thoughts? Where are we at as far as growth and, you know, talent? I think, you know, we don't want to steer too much towards like the startup side, but you're in the Bay Area. So you're kind of in the heart sure. of this still. What's, uh, what's kind of your thoughts throughout the year? Have we've progressed and grown? Uh, well, so a couple of things. I, yes, I do still. I was actually in Klamath Falls uh, Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Um, son graduated from University of Nevada, Reno on Friday, and we drove up. My daughter is um, just finishing at Oregon Health and Sciences University and is moving down to Klamath Falls to be a doctor. Great. And, uh, so she and her uh, to-be husband just bought a house. So I got to break out my chainsaw and do a couple of other <laughs> nice. to help her get moved in. Uh, you know, in, in looking at Oregon, it's such a, it's also an iconic place. And, um, you know, as I said, still a, a lot of friends there. For us at Seas, we actually have a, a, a decent sized presence up there as well. Uh, nine stores all in and we have holiday stores and we're, we're about to, or actually our next store that we're going to open will be in, um, actually our next to next, late summer, we're, we're opening in Bend, Oregon. Great. Um, which we've done a temporary store for the last uh, uh, several holidays uh, around Christmas time, but it's big enough now and you can see the growth there. Uh, and, and part of what I've tried to bring is a discipline here around how we're selecting our commercial real estate. So looking at mm -hmm. transaction counts, looking at uh, traffic counts, looking at uh, demographics. I don't need to tell you, Ben's yeah. pretty healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Zoom, Zoom town USA is what they're calling yeah, it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and certainly you can see the growth. So we've, uh, we actually unfortunately had to close, uh, one of our stores in, in Portland Lloyd center store, but we're looking to both replace that and probably add more to the uh, Portland Metro region. Uh, you can see the growth, uh, in terms of population, you can see the growth in terms of, we actually look at California expats is what I call them. Uh, you know, pretty much everybody in the Western United States knows of seas, but Californians really know seas. So yeah. if you've got a high population of ex Californians, a place like Nevada, Oregon, that's something we look at. And, uh, mm. so that's, that's part of it. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it, I, I feel very bullish about, uh, about the future in Oregon. I think there's, you know, just like California, there are issues that everyone's struggling with uh, and COVID, you know, <laughs> adds a degree of difficulty yeah. across the board, but people want to be in Oregon. And, uh, and so there's a, there's a strong future there, I believe. I'm, you know, completely optimistic as well. Yeah. I'm really excited. I get to, I'm fortunate enough to talk to a lot of, you know, business leaders and people are starting companies here and it's a super exciting place. We have our challenges, but, um, I think the Oregon spirit will overcome those as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know how much you interact with Warren, Warren Buffett, but what's something, <laughs> if, if so, is there anything good advice he shared with you or, you know, if you haven't directly just that's come down from him? Well, a couple of things I'd say there, Dan. Uh, so we're, uh, Seas is the first non-insurance acquisition by Berkshire Hathaway. This is back in 1972. So next year we'll celebrate 50 years of, uh, of ownership uh, wow. in the Berkshire Hathaway family, so to speak. And uh, no, I, I'm not going to pretend that I, that I interact uh, all, all that regularly with Mr. Buffett and, and the, you know, the biggest reason he's got a massive enterprise right. uh, to, to operate. And uh, so the non-insurance businesses were first put to Greg Abel and 
know Greg very well from the energy business. That's who I interact with the most. But honestly, you know, Warren's on my mind pretty much every day because his quotes are just so iconic. Um, and there's so many elements of them that he just, he's just boiled down truth in a way, he and Mr. Munger, Charlie Munger, that is, um, you know, and, and I use them regularly with my team. <laughs> uh, you know, one of them is, uh, uh, you know, if you're looking for a new employee, you're looking for uh, integrity, intelligence, and energy. And if you don't have the first one, the other two are going to get you in trouble. Mm. And uh, so that's the kind of thing. And the other, you know, we learned a lot in the in the energy businesses, um, you know, what, whatever action you're taking, imagine that being on the front page. And I used to think about that relative to the Oregonian or what have you, and knowing mm. that, you know, you want to be in a position where you can explain your position, you can operate with integrity and 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 make sure that you're serving your customers and and and, and your company and your and your employees. So I learned so much in that, uh, both at Pacific Power and NB Energy, because I moved to Nevada for about five years before I came back to the Bay Area here. And uh, those quotes are, you know, on my mind every day. The other one, and this is actually one I used about two weeks ago with our, our staff, is uh, that, uh, you know, when the tide goes out, you see who's wearing a bathing suit. Mm. Meaning that uh, when the water's low, uh, you see who's actually, you know, covered and who's not. And I really feel like We've been wearing a bathing suit uh, and a good one for the last year because we're a great brand and, and we've been doing a, a lot of the right things to make sure that we stay afloat. And, and and there are some other businesses in our business in confection that did not quite make it to the other side or, or have not had the same start to 2021 that we've had. And, and so the so long way around your, your, your question, but, um, you know, I, I, I report on our financials on a monthly basis. I actually just sent my uh, April report in this morning as it happens. <laughs> Um, and, uh, the feedback is always very supportive. Um, obviously he loves the brand and you hear all yeah. about that. Um, and we supply him with all of the new products. Uh, <laughs> That's so great. We, get, we get feedback on, on the new stuff as well, but, uh, uh, it's such a great, it's such, I, I, that's part of why I pinch myself to be part of an, or, an organization that has that North star of integrity and how you operate is, uh, makes my job actually a lot easier in so many ways. Well, Pat, thanks so much for taking some time to be on the podcast, share your story and some really valuable leadership lessons. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, I got to say, go Beavs. <laughs> ah, go. <laughs> you got to throw that in there at the end. My we'll have to wait till next year to, towards the game next year. But uh, yeah, yeah. I got respect. I'll do res I got family <laughs> that are Beavers, so it's okay. <laughs> well, not, not to put in too much of a plug, but I will say I'm still, that's one of my connections to Oregon. Right. I'm, still, I'm on the Oregon State University Foundation, great group of folks and, yeah. and great mission there. But uh, so that's, I, I, I really want to make sure that I maintain my, Oregon will be my home in the future, I believe. And uh, so I've, I've got to say that. And so appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks again, Pat. All right. Thanks, Dan. Take care. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of That Cast a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.